Welcome to eHealth Talk, a podcast from Health Informatics New Zealand and hosted by me, editor of eHealth News, Rebecca Macbeth. This podcast provides a regular roundup of news and views from across New Zealand's data and digital health sector. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Kia ora koutou and welcome to eHealth Talk NZ. Thanks to SODA for sponsoring this podcast episode, where I'm speaking to Chief Everything Officer Bruce Aylward. Lovely to have you join me today. Um, can you tell our listeners a little about yourself and SODA to start with? Kia ora, Arabica. Uh, thank you very much for having me on this episode. Sure, um, maybe I can take you a little bit on a journey. So this all started for me back in the early 90s. As you can hear, I've got a bit of a funny accent going on, so originally from South Africa. And back then, I was working as a rocket scientist in the South African space program. And for project management, we had things like one, two, three spreadsheets and WordPerfect and maybe very early versions of MS Project. So I've gone through a life of being a developer, a team lead, a project manager, program manager, uh, moved around a little bit. So I uh, spent some time in Israel and in the UK. And my wife, uh, who's from Scotland, came uh, with me out to New Zealand in 2005. Uh, Web 2.0 had just arrived and uh, we saw an opportunity to take this thing that's been percolating in my head and build soda to what it is today. Wow, sounds like a very exciting background. Not many people have rockets <laughs> in their backstory. I like that. So can you tell us what is portfolio prioritization and why is it important? Sure. Overall, organizations don't have enough money for um, or, or resources for doing everything that they want to do. Um, so they need some way of picking what they are going to focus on and uh Typically in the past, it's been about who shouts the loudest. So the loudest voice in the room is what we then end up doing rather than taking a approach of something like portfolio prioritization, which aims to pick the right initiatives to do at the right time. Uh, looking at how do those initiatives meet the organization's objectives and then taking out the emotion out of that process. Mm, interesting. So can you explain the difference between portfolio programs and projects and how your software helps to manage each of these? So portfolios is all of the organization's investments grouped together um, to achieve some kind of strategic objective uh, that the organization has set. Uh, and sometimes it might be broken into segments of those investments. And so you might have some sub portfolios focusing on different areas of those objectives. Programs is a temporary organization that's built within the, the wider organization. They tend to be flexible, so they might uh, become bigger and smaller over time. And they are set up to oversee the implementation of a set of related projects. So the projects are trying to deliver uh, a combined outcome or benefits that relate back to the organization's strategic objectives. And then a project is an, another temporary uh, group within the organization, usually of a much shorter term. And they try to deliver one or more outputs um, in accordance with a business case. So we would write a business case for that project that says, this is how much we want to spend and this is what we'd like the project to achieve. And ultimately that contributes to the program's benefits and ultimately to the organization's strategy. So SOTA provides a suite of online tools that support that portfolio management, program management, and project management disciplines across the organization. 
So it gives you a central repository, a single source of truth of all of your project data so that it becomes uh, visible to all of the members at a project program and portfolio level. Uh, it integrates with your finance system, your HR system or other systems within the organization. And it allows you to build real-time dashboards, real-time reporting, uh, do workflow automation across those things. Uh, it takes the uh, project manager's day jobs, so the project manager's in there, they're just doing their job. Uh, but in the background, we can then roll that information up into that program portfolio views and give the management team the oversight and the overview of what's going on within organization. I think you've touched on it there, but I'm interested to know why is a PPM tool like yours better for showing progress than running on spreadsheets and Word documents? So the problem with spreadsheets and Word documents is unless you're on one of the cloud options that's available today, only one person can edit the file at a time. Um, then somebody needs to set up those spreadsheets with the formulas and the structures that you need. And usually it happens again and again and again. So every project or every um, organization is having to do it over and over again. Um, you have to manually collate the information across those spreadsheets or you have to set up very complex uh, formulas across the spreadsheet to try and get the information collated into some kind of reporting or overview. Um, and of course, individuals can change the spreadsheets or even the Word documents and they end up breaking all of those hard-won linkages that you had set up. Um, you have to copy and paste from the spreadsheets into a Word document or a PowerPoint slide to create your reports. And people often modify your templates and so there's no consistency across the reporting within the organization. So what the centralized uh, PPM tool like Soda then gives you is more than one person can be in there and viewing and updating information all at the same time. So you don't have this lockout happening. Uh, the formulas are built into the tool. So it's not easy to modify for individuals that might say, oh, I want to do it differently than the rest of the organization. So you're getting much more consistency across the organization. You get automate, uh, automatic um, collation of all of the data across the projects, programs, and portfolios because the data is consistent. It's the same data that we're capturing. And users can't go and modify what columns are available at um, each register. So you can't go in a risk uh, spreadsheet in a project, change which columns are visible in my spreadsheet, and suddenly all of the other spreadsheets are difficult to collate together. And then it produces reports straight out of the tool. So there's no need to copy and paste things between different locations. And then, of course, where the real value add starts coming in is where you've got um, things like scenario planners where you can drag and drop um, and see what the effect of your changes are on the resource or on the money within the organization. And so you can start getting into much better balancing of your portfolios across all of those things. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that makes me think about yeah, how big are some of the teams who might be working on these sorts of things if you have yeah, a Word document and things are getting changed all the time. I mean, what's the kind of biggest teams that you've worked with in terms of a portfolio management? Oof. <laughs> I would say probably the largest organization in New Zealand is Ministry of Education, where we've got close to 500 users in that one organization. Actually, I think we might be over 500 users now. Um, in Australia, um, Transport for New South Wales was close to 2,000 users, so large organizations, lots and lots of users, and you can just imagine trying to pass documents between all of those users trying to get a consistency. Mm, indeed. 
Uh, what about risks? Um, how do digital systems help to identify risks and ensure they're visible to those who need to mitigate them? Um, I'm going to talk in the context of the portfolio management in particular because that's uh, relevant to what we're talking about today. Uh, but the first step is to get clear visibility and transparency across all of the initiatives running within the organization. And for Tefato Aura, in, the, in this particular case, at a district, a regional and a national level, so we want to understand the risks and the benefits of each investment before we start any work. So in the past, we, we tended to start a lot of work and we didn't have a clear understanding of the risks and or the benefits. And then sort of halfway through, we might realize, well, actually, the benefits don't stack up. The return on investment is just not there. So let's do that work before we even start it and minimize the risk of failure from that perspective. And then the other part of it is balancing our resources and money across uh, the business change investment and the BAU, the business as usual activities. So quite often we're focusing on all the new fancy toys and we forgot to keep the lights on. We forgot to uh, make sure that those business as usual activities get enough money to be maintained and continue forward. Mm. Particularly important in the health context as well, isn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, health does operate in a tight fiscal environment. So does a digital system like this help funders to decide which initiatives to run and ensure that the system is getting the best bang for its buck, as it were? Absolutely. So it's both in terms of picking the right thing to do at the right time, uh, but also in helping to deliver those initiatives so we can reduce the risk of failure. So in terms of picking the right thing to do, um, we call that portfolio definition. And so some of the steps in there is understanding what are the initiatives that's currently underway and what's coming down the horizon? What, what are the new things that we need to consider? Categorizing those, understanding what is involved with each of those initiatives, understanding the risks, understanding the benefits. Then prioritizing those initiatives against our strategy. So making sure that we've got some kind of prioritization framework in place. But of course, balancing the portfolio based on the available money and resources. We don't have enough money to do everything or enough people to do everything. So we need to pick the right stuff to do based on what we can achieve, what's, what's realistic. And then plan out how we're going to deliver that. And then, of course, portfolio delivery gives us the capability to then successfully deliver these plans that we've set out. So giving us management control or governance around that stuff, um, ensuring that we manage the benefits that we are producing, uh, financial management, fiscal responsibility, especially in these tight fiscal times, uh, managing the risks, minimizing those risks, making sure we mitigate them early on, uh, which reduces the cost to mitigate it later on. Uh, ensuring that our stakeholders are engaged. So quite often um, we plan out a project and when we run Hell for Leather delivering the project and we never talk to the stakeholders and then we deliver that and then suddenly the stakeholders are like, but that's not what I need now, right now. And um, the need has changed over time. So how do we keep focus? How, how do we keep engaged with that? Um, providing organizational governance and then of course the uh, very important aspect resource management because during the delivery of our projects during the delivery of our plan our resources are changing uh, people come and go and um, it might be unexpected so what can we put in place to reduce those kind of risks mm. And you did um, touch on this earlier, but obviously our, our health system does operate locally via districts at the moment, as well as regionally and nationally. I was wondering what approaches are needed for those different scenarios. 
So there's clear benefits of centralizing some of these services and decisions. Uh, that's why we've got Tefato Aura being established. Um, however, there's still some value in having a regional and even district level self-governance. Each district and region will have a much better view of their local needs. And so the prioritization might be different at those districts and regional levels, the metrics that they are using or the weightings that they are using for those. Um, for some systems, it makes sense to have that implemented at a national level and then rolling it out to the regions and districts. For example, a national patient management system or a PPM tool that we are talking about today. Other systems may be implemented at the local level where um, there's no need for a national roll-up and maybe the local needs lead to a different solution than what we might have considered at a national level. Mm. Yeah, really interesting as we um, see Tefatua develop, how that all pans out. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, SODA does already work with a number of Tefatua districts, such as Capital and Coast, Talkspan, and Whanganui, um, as well as private providers such as Bupa. Can you tell us about what you delivered for those customers and the outcomes achieved there? Let me tell you a story. So about 10 years ago, um, Hutt Valley Hospital uh, was building a new surgical wing. And soda was being used to manage the delivery of the IT components of that new wing. Uh, eight years ago, um, my wife and I had a little boy. Uh, he was delivered by C-section in that new wing of the Hutt Hospital. And so we've got very um, personal benefit of soda being used to deliver projects successfully. Um, so soda was first implemented at um, Hot Valley DHB in the um, health sector in New Zealand. Uh, we met up with them through HENS, which was a, a quite interesting story way back. Um, they first brought it in to manage the IT projects and to record timesheets, allowing the contractors to be um, paid accurately. Uh, from there, it spread down into uh, Capital and Coast District, as well as into the wire upper and later on into the other uh, DHBs that you've mentioned. Uh, Bupa had just come on board this year, and we're currently busy doing an implementation for them, um, basically starting off with the process of recording what are all the initiatives, um, trying to accurately measure those different initiatives, and then at a later point, they'll start going into a prioritization exercise and building that portfolio uh, management capability on top of managing their programs and projects. Um, with the advent of Tifata Oro, we had an interesting uh, situation. So national mandated reporting across all the DHBs and uh, three DHBs, so Hutt Valley, Cap Coast and Wairapa was already um, had the data in SODA and doing their project management in SODA. So what it meant for them was uh, we could very quickly create a new report template based on the national requirements. Uh, that was set up within a week. And since then, regular changes from national came in and um, 3DHB could respond very quickly to those changes and um, had the feedback from national that the uh, reporting across all of the DHBs is the most complete. Yeah, and aged care must be a really interesting area to move into as well, quite complex and so important as well. And, and quite different sort of focus areas, so their priorities are very different. Um, so it, it's very interesting for us uh, being involved in these different kinds of projects and understanding how we can best support the sector. And you do also work with many other industries, including local government, energy and utilities. So what can health learn from the approach taken in those areas, do you think? 
Let's take one example. So um, one of our customers is Hamilton City Council. Um, council is required to do every three years a long-term plan. Um, and the long-term plan would cover things like um, a 10 years and a 40 years. Um, from those, they then develop the annual capital plan, which they pick out which projects are going to be done in this particular year and then implement the current financial year projects. Um, so that's quite a, a interesting process to go through. And I kind of wondered, do we have something similar happening in the um, health sector where we've got these 10-year and 40-year views of what's going on? Then it's interesting if you look at some of the EWIs and they've got even longer visions. So some of the EWIs are working on a 500-year plan. Now, I can't even get my head around that idea of working on a 500-year plan. But maybe that's something that we need to consider as a country is saying, well, what is our 500 year vision for New Zealand and how do we make that happen? There's already a lot of cross-pollination taking place between the different um, between the health sector and some of the other government agencies, which is really good to see because there's ideas being shared, there's knowledge being shared, expertise being crossed over. Uh, so one of the ladies that we work with quite regularly um, started off in central government she's gone to um, cap coast dhb she's worked with hot valley dhb she's gone back to central government and so these these kind of cross-pollinations are going on how would you say the health sector is similar or different to other industries when it comes to portfolio prioritization and its approach to managing programs of work this is just speaking from my experience um but at the end of the day they are all the same Yes, there are different drivers in health, of course, um, which leads to different strategic outcomes and benefits that we want to achieve. And so the uh, prioritization metrics or the weightings might be different from under, other industries. But the processes are the same. So the way that we select what we should be doing um, can be uh, put into a formulaic process a, a, a prioritization life cycle that makes sure that we pick the right stuff. And so can you describe the methodology most organizations use as the basis for portfolio prioritization and also any pitfalls that you think they should avoid? The most common approach that we've come across is something called management of portfolios. Uh, so this comes out of Axelos, which is the same people who do Prince2 for project management, and they also do managing of successful programs. So these are sort of three uh, key areas that they focus on. Uh, within the management of portfolios, they look at portfolio definition and portfolio delivery as those two key aspects uh, looking at portfolio management. Some of the pitfalls we've been seeing is having no formal process whatsoever. And so quite often then we get back to the who shouts the loudest and well, we'll just do what they say um, rather than having a, um, a collaborative approach to it. Um, some organizations do this thing where they collect all of the data, they prioritize, um, they start working on that, but it all falls away. They wait three years and then they do it all again. And all of the data becomes stale and so there's no maintenance of the information or the approach. And so having to reinvent the wheel every three years. Um, making the prioritization matrix or process too complicated is another one that we've seen a lot of. So you want to start off on the simple end of the scale and only if you need more do you add more to the process. 
going through this um, 300 metric score for each project and then trying to score projects and prioritize them, nobody's going to get through that process and you're never going to get the decision at the end of the day. Only prioritizing the big stuff, so forgetting about uh, things like the BAU or um, shuffling all of the smaller projects under the carpet doesn't work because your resource and your money is still spread across all of the big stuff and the BAU and all of the small stuff. And so you do need a holistic view across all of those things. And then the final one is where there's no delegation. So a central um, organization, maybe a, a EPMO or something like that, tries to do it all themselves instead of delegating some of the scoring and prioritization to the different business units or um, let's say argument's sake in the case of Tefatora, if they try to do all of the prioritization centrally and didn't have any delegation to the regions or the districts, I can see that would fail because um, there would be a lot of workload on that central agency to complete and there would be very little visibility of the regional and local needs. Hmm. Interesting. Um, we both know a health system is currently undergoing a major reform. I was wondering, does access to data help people also make those tough decisions, which is to kill the projects that really aren't working? Totally. So how do we know what... Uh, project is not working. So first of all, we need to gather some objective evidence, um, so measurements against the project, so we can then uh, measure that against some kind of thresholds to say, hey, is this project working or not working? But we need to agree that up front. We can't go halfway through the project and then make up the measures or make up the, the thresholds um, to say whether something is working or not working. And so, of course, to do that, we need the data. So we need the measurements. We need to understand what's happening in the project. But that will then take out the emotion out of killing a project. I think uh, killing a project itself is probably a bit of an emotive way of saying it. And maybe there's a different way of looking at it. So um, when we make investments in our personal lives, uh, we, we put money into the bank or into a savings account or into some kind of short-term investment or into a house or something like that. When we realize that it's a bad investment, do we throw more money at the same investment? No, we stop doing that. We take the money out of the bad investments and we put them into better investments. And the same thing happens at organization level. So we want to take the money out of the bad projects, the bad investments, and put them into better investments, better opportunities for the organization. And we can only do that if we've got the data visible to us so we can do something like that. Um, of course, we don't have enough money, so obviously we don't want to spend it or waste it on all of those dead ends. It does mean active monitoring, so we can't do passively and once a, a quarter go and look at what's happening with these projects. We need to actively be involved, actively monitoring what's going on um, and do regular gateway reviews. So when a project is going from its life cycle phases to the next phase, make sure there's a review process in place that does a measurement and say, does it still stack up um, in terms of ROI? Does it still stack up in terms of what the organization's trying to achieve? Has um, things changed? Has the environment changed? Has the policies changed? And we need to remeasure things. And just finally, what is your vision for the future of portfolio prioritization and health? And how will that benefit the system as a whole, which we know is under pressure? First of all, we need visibility and transparency at a district level, at a regional level, at a national level. Um, 
we need to give the right level of self-governance at each of those levels as well. So that the districts and the regional uh, levels can make decisions based on their local needs and not always having to defer to a national decision body. Um, I think we need a centralized data store to make this effective. So um, having a centralized uh, project management tool um, instead of emailing uh, reports and spreadsheets around all of the data goes into that tool. Of course, I would love it to be a soda tool, but whichever digital system is in place, what it will give us is this capability to collate that data and roll it up and give effective reporting rather than emailing data around like they're currently doing and then trying to collate or get visibility. Uh, the data is stale by the time it gets into a report because it's taken three weeks from the data being entered into a spreadsheet until the report's produced at a national level. Instead of having pockets of knowledge and expertise, let's share it around. How do we um, identify who are the experts across the country and how can we um, use them across the country. So instead of a expert working just in one DHB, can we make the expertise available across all the uh, all the districts, all of the regions, and so everybody can benefit those things. And then of course one of the key things of why we did get Tefatora is stop duplicating effort doing the same projects in each region or in each district even. Combine that effort into a single larger project uh, that can do it once for everybody, but can do a better job of it because we've got more money, more resource allocated to that rather than doing the same thing over. And so then we'll get better outcomes out of those projects. Oh, well, that's a very exciting vision for the future. <laughs> Thank you. So on that <laughs> note, um, we'll wrap it up and just say thanks so much for joining me today, Bruce, and to Soda for sponsoring this podcast episode. Thank you. Uh, to our listeners, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you can take the time to review it, please do so, as that makes it easier for other people to find. Ka kite. Thanks for listening to eHealth Talk. Be sure to subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends. eHealth Talk, eHealth News and the eHealth Webinar Series are supported by Health Informatics New Zealand. See hins.org.nz for more information and become a member starting at just $17 a month. We also have affordable organisational membership options for both our industry partners and healthcare providers. <laughs>